Open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 55 today. Isaiah chapter 55, I saw the Hesses come in a while ago and their son Terry been through some major surgery, so continue to pray for him in special prayer. Isaiah chapter 55 in the Old Testament. For this part of the year and part of last year, our theme is on the screen if it's if you're able to read that, come, and it says Faith Baptist Church, that's a congregation, and then we're to go. In chapter 55 of the book of Isaiah, will you stand together please for the reading of the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 55. Let's read the first three verses. I'll come back to it perhaps in just a few moments, the Lord willing. Isaiah chapter 55. He's called the silver-tongued prophet. There are 66 chapters in the book of uh, Isaiah, and there's 66 books in the entirety of the Bible. Sort of, I believe God had a reason for that. God knows exactly what He's doing when He gave us the Bible, and we're grateful for the Word of God. Ho! It's not Santa Claus speaking here. This is God Almighty talking to us. Ho! Everyone that thirsteth. You ever get thirsty? Not just physically, but especially spiritually. It's me, O Lord. Stand in need of prayer, not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, O Lord. He said, if you get thirsty, come to the waters. He that hath no money, anybody in that category. If you don't have a dime in your pocket today, you can come. If you've got a million dollars in your pocket, you can come. God's not a respecter of persons. He says, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine, milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfieth not. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. May God add his blessings to the reading of the word of God. Father, Thank you so much for the privilege we have to be in church on the Lord's Day. We're thankful, Lord, we can come to the close of this year here in church on the Lord's Day. This is the day that you set aside in the New Testament, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to come worship you collectively as a church family. And then, Lord, you taught us to worship you day by day, to come into your presence with thanksgiving. Every day of our life, we are to be thankful, we are to rejoice in the blessings of the Lord. And Lord, you taught us to pray and ask for that which we need. And so, Father, we ask for a supernatural touch of God upon the service. We pray, Father, the devil be rebuked and the devil, be, the devil be defeated and God will be glorified. We pray, Father, for your will to be accomplished in these days. Thank you so much for the privilege we have to open up the old book one more time. I pray, God, you'll lead us and guide us and direct us now. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Let me thank the arches, Tim and Wanda, for 52 weeks of them or somebody bringing water to the pulpit. Uh, there is a special blessing in heaven for those sometimes who look after little things like that. It means so much, especially uh, to preachers, and I appreciate you taking care of those others who are guests in our church. In just a few weeks, we'll have revival with uh, Brother Bob Holmes. He and his wife will be with us, the Lord willing, Sunday night through Wednesday night. Uh, he's called Mr. Volleyball. He's getting what the age now 
He's going to have to phase that out somewhere along the way. He's 65, I think he did. Still playing volleyball. The guy's crazy. Uh, I used to play basketball. When I, when I turned 55, I broke my finger. One of our guys, I saw him yesterday, as a matter of fact. He was in from his family. Uh, he, he broke that, fam, that finger right there. We were playing basketball down to school. And uh, I took it to the doctor. And there was a woman doctor. She's very sympathetic. And uh, she said, uh, how'd you break that? And I said, playing basketball. She says, how long have you been playing basketball? I said, oh, most of my life. And she said, how old are you? And I said, 55. And she said, you need to quit basketball and give it up. I said, man, don't talk like that. Kept my finger off. Uh, but don't take my basketball away. But then I had to give it up because of physical reasons. But I'm glad for the privilege of having uh, basketball. I'm glad we're able to enjoy the blessings of the Lord physically. But the Bible tells us to come unto him. Several times in the Word of God, you'll find that phrase, come unto me, Matthew chapter 11. We may come back to that in just a moment, the Lord willing. Jesus said these words in Psalms 40, verse 7. Lo, I come. In the volume of this book, it is written to me, Psalms 40, verse 7. I hold in my hand today the infallible, inspired Word of the living God. I've said this hundreds of times this past year. This is the only book God ever wrote. And this, if it's the only book God ever wrote, he expects us to read it. He didn't give it to us just to carry it around and say it's pretty. He didn't, he didn't give it to us just to hold and lay in a shelf somewhere. He gave us the word of God in our language, the English language, that we'll be able to read it daily. I challenge every individual in this room today to take seriously what God said. I would ask for a survey, but I will not raise, and I'll ask you to raise your hand. How many have read the Bible every day this year unless providentially hindered? That is a good goal to have. To read the Bible every day. How many and you say, Preacher, I have not. How many of you eaten breakfast many, many times this year? Raise your hand. You eat breakfast. How many of you eat lunch? How many eat supper? We call it supper where I come from, dinner, I guess it is. How many of you eat five times a day? How many of you eat all day long? <laughs> then don't forget the most important. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I want to challenge you today, and I may be a little harsh as I go along maybe to some degree, because I'm afraid we're in a famine for the Word of God, and folks are wondering what's wrong in America. The church and the church members don't read the Bible. I would hate to say, I hope I would not embarrass anybody, but if I ask you to raise your hand, have you read your Bible this week? And I've done enough counseling over the years to realize the first question you ask anybody when they're going through trials and temptations and, and sometimes in situations that are very awkward, have you read your Bible this week? Well, not too much. I said, what's too much mean? Have you read it three times? Well, not read it three times. I, I've read it one time. Like reading the Bible one time a day is sufficient for your grace, for God's grace. We need to read the Bible daily. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. Aren't you glad God knows exactly what I need? He knows what will satisfy. He knows what will be sufficient in your life and my life. And I'm so grateful for that, that I can read the Bible unless providentially hindered. I know sometimes you're so sick, you don't feel like reading anything. And God understands that. He's not overbearing. But he does challenge us to take up our cross daily. Uh, he teaches us to read the Bible daily. Uh, it's a daily walk with God in and day in and day out as we go along. Now turn to Matthew chapter 11. And let's read a verse or two there before we get into the heart of the sermon. I'll not be very long. I don't think, I don't think my legs are going to handle it today. I've got a very dizzy spell. Chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, say that with me, please. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, say that, please. 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. You ever say, preacher, I got burdens I can't carry no more. They're so heavy. God contradicts that statement. He says your burden is light. Now in comparison to the world, the Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. But he says here, for my yoke, when you team up with Jesus... You get in the same way he's going, your burdens are not going to be as heavy as they once were. I think I read this and maybe preached on it sometime last year that a cow or a bull or a yoke of oxen can pull maybe 2,000 pounds. You put it in a yoke with another ox, it can go 6,000 pounds. Something about that speaks volumes. And whether I'm correctly on the number of pounds, but one's 2,000, it may be able to pull two oxen or to pull 6,000 pounds of weight. You put the Lord on the inside of your life or let him be the God in your life. He's bigger than you are. He fills the whole universe. He's everywhere at the same time. He knows more than you know. He's omniscient. He knows everything there is to know. There ain't nothing he don't know. That's not good English, but it's good preaching. There ain't nothing he don't know. He knows everything. He knows your name. Hey, Caleb, he knows your name, address, knows your phone number, knows all about you, knows how tall you are, knows how short you are, knows how many times you raised your hand that you eat all day long. He saw that. He wasn't called out. He knew you was going to do that before you raised your hand. I'm glad I got a God that knows everything. I'm glad I've got a God that's been everywhere. There ain't no place God ain't near been except to hell. And the only time, well, maybe we went to hell. Jesus dipped his soul in hell for us. Jesus, God's been everywhere and knows everything and is all powerful, and I'm grateful for that. And he says, I just want you to come. That's all I want you to do is come. It's a very simple word, not complicated. Just come. Just come unto me. If I say to Tommy, come. And Tommy says, okay, and he starts moving this way. Jesus puts out his nail scars and says, come. Come unto me, all you that labor heavy laden. Boy, it's been, Willie and I was talking about last night. I believe it's been the most difficult year of my life. It's bar none. And I'm 77 years old. I know I don't look that old. That's what you say, amen. Thank you so much. That's encouraging to help me keep going. But it's been the most difficult year of my life, physically and mentally and emotionally and every other way. And you may have been had a tough year. All of us have. Dr. Jack Howes used to have a radio program years ago uh, spread across the country. He said, be kind to everybody because everybody's having a tough time. Everybody has a tough time in life. Everybody has a tough time. If you don't have some tough problems along the way, you ain't living. You done dead and gone to heaven. You don't know it. We need to carry your body out. It's a tough life. And the more you live and, and live the Christian life, the more you de dedicate to your life, the devil is going to attack you with all the forces of hell, all the demons of hell to discourage you and to distract you from the battle that you once were in because he knows exactly what can get to you. I'm simply submitting to you and submitting to my own life today that no matter how bad it gets, it's not as bad as it is being a transgressor. A transgressor can go to prison for his deeds of uh, ill repute or what he's done robbing somebody or killing somebody. He may spend the rest of his life in prison. The way of a transgressor is hard. Now, in that prison, he can be saved and stay the rest of his life in prison and yet have his burdens be light. Some, there's been many of a prisoner has been transformed by the grace of God while they were in prison, locked up and incarcerated for years. And they got right with God. 
and you've talked to him and said, I know, I'm, I'll be glad when I get out, but I've learned how to adapt to it, and God's used me here to be a witness to other men. My burden is light compared to what it once was because I find my purpose for living. He says, I want you to come. Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written to me, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. If I had to go to a desert and they want me to go to an island somewhere and ask me what I want to take in addition to maybe the natural things and maybe hygiene and so forth, if I had to go to a place, I don't want to go anywhere without the Bible. And, and the best place, if you, don't, if you don't have a written Bible, hide the Word of God in your heart that you may not sin against God. Hide the Word of God. It's important to read it and digest it. Lester Roloff, a great preacher who's in heaven today, uh, ministered to many people around the world, and especially to young people in his homes in Mississippi and Texas that were derelict, drug addicts, alcoholics, so forth, how God, how he would take them in. Uh, but uh, he was arrested for preaching the gospel uh, in Texas several years ago. Took his Bible away from him and he went in the prison in the jailhouse. And then they began to shoot rock music in there. That's the reason I, I hate gospel. I hate rock music. I, I don't think there's anything such thing as gospel rock. I don't like it either. But especially don't like rock music that bombards the mind and feeds the demonic part of your nature. And they would feed that all day long because the only place he had the Bible was in his heart. And he said, while I was in prison, I would quote scripture. I'd quote scripture. They'd bombard me with rock music. I'd quote scripture. I'd quote scripture. He said, the only way I could quote scripture is I had the scripture hid in my heart. And the more you read it, you may not be very far along. You may just start it. But get you some verses that will help you in your Christian life. If they arrested you and put you in prison, you didn't have your Bible, and they wouldn't give you a Bible. And that may happen to many of us in these days before Jesus comes. Uh, Christianity is being under attack all around the world. I just read Europe is going through the greatest transformation against Christians ever in the history of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's in Europe is going to head here before long. The greatest transformation, I read it this morning on the news, there is a transformation being taken place against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, you know, the devil knows his time's about up. We know Jesus is on the way to get us and they intensified the battle the battle is raging the battle is raging and he's raging against the souls and the men and the women and the God-fearing folks around the world and if he can get them to slow down and give up and give out and give up to the things of the world uh, he'll have victory after victory after victory but I'm glad for the old book Amen. I'm going into 2004 with a great, great, greater appreciation for this old book. I love it dearly from the depths of my heart. Someone gave me, someone gave me this Bible several months ago, maybe a few years ago, and I love to go through the Bible and mark it up. And most of the Bibles I have been marked up pretty good over the years, especially in latter years. You ought to, if you don't mark in your Bible, at least you ought to read it. At least you ought to read it. It might be good to mark up something sometime. At least to write down the reference where it's at so you know where to go to when it's time to read it. Go into all the world, he said. I want you to come. Why? I want you to go into all the world. I want you to preach the gospel. He said, I want you to be a representation of my ministry, of my life, my message. And my message is that I came and I bled and I died and I went to the cross and I died on the cross and I went to a tomb. And three days later, I rose uh, from the grave forevermore. I'm alive. I'm king of kings and lord of lords. And I'm coming back. And he wants the message to be declared, wants it to be echoed around the world that every man, woman, boy, and girl on the population of this world can hear a simple presentation of the glorious gospel that they can be saved by the grace of God. Going to all the world, the greatest need is a relationship with God, not just information, but a relationship that the word of God means something to you. Come unto me and you'll know the truth. You'll find truth. When you read the Bible, you'll find truth. There's not one lie in this book, not one. 66 books in the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament 
from Genesis to Malachi. 27 in the New Testament from Matthew to Revelation. And there's not one lie. There's not one error in thus saith the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And all scripture is profitable for us. And all scripture needs to be read and listened to and taught and read and digested. We're going to hell in a, in a, in a handbasket it looks like. And people just don't take time uh, to get close to God. They don't come to church regularly. They don't read the word of God regularly. And they don't witness regularly. It's just something they just flying on flowery beds of ease and then someday expect to go to heaven and as Darren spoke this morning if you're saved you're going to heaven but I sure like to go to heaven with some works under my belt I like to go to heaven with at least showing the Lord I tried to live the Christian life I know I can't live without his help but I don't want to stand there and bow my head and probably be bad enough the way it is but to stand before the great creator someday and say I didn't do much for you and I guess we expect the Lord to say that's alright son come on into heaven well yes you can come into heaven because you got saved but boy, I wonder what the rewards are going to be in heaven. What kind of reward will you get? What kind of reward will I get in going to heaven? You say, preacher, what do you mean by getting rewards? The Bible talks about several rewards that you can receive in this life that you'll that be crowned with in this life and rejoice in heaven with them. And there's crowns of blessing that God gives to us that we someday will be able to express our crowns, show our crowns and our recipients of the rewards at his feet and say to God, I didn't do the best I could. I sure did try. I wanted to please you. Lord, there's sometimes I just wanted to give up and quit. There's sometimes I just wanted to stop, but I kept on going, and I want to thank you for your help and your strength to help me. And I want to stand before you someday. Lord, I'd like to receive some rewards. Somebody told me one time years ago, I'm not interested in rewards. I just want to get to heaven. That's a poor attitude to have. I don't care about rewards. I just want to get to heaven. Well, listen, if you're going to have rewards, you know what you're going to do with them, don't you? There's a great day coming. When that crown he puts upon our head in eternity, and you say, well, how long will that be? As long as it needs to be. Eternity never ends. I don't know how long it's going to take for God to do all he's going to do in the vastness of eternity, but he'll place those crowns upon our head. Some will have few, some will have many, some won't have any. Will there be any crowns? Will there be any stars in your crown? Will there be any stars in your crown? The songwriter said, one day... He's going to be presented to us as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and the majesty of God. And the great music of heaven will begin to rescindo throughout the vast places of the regions where he's at. And the great kingdom of God, all the angels will be there. All the saints of God will be there. All the Old Testament saints will be there. All the people have been saved by the grace of God. He's passed out rewards. And they say, here's the King of Kings. And we bring our crown. We bring our crown and place it at the feet of Jesus Christ and say to God be the glory nothing in myself can save my soul nothing in myself could ever make me whole but I'm coming unto thee that satisfieth the longing of my heart and the longing of my soul and Lord to take the crown from our head and place it at his feet and hear him say well done my child thou good and faithful servant I'm glad God loves us and God's mindful of us and one day we shall crown him King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Come unto me and find the truth. The whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. I'm trying to drive a point home today as frail as it may be. Just get the truth down deep and embedded in our soul. The declaration Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes of the Father by me. But, 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 by me. Nobody comes. But I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no religiosity of the world is going to get to heaven 
just by saying they're religious. It's not a religion, it's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way a man or a woman or a boy or girl can go to heaven, they got to find truth. And the Bible says the truth will set you free. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Thank God I'm free today. I'm free from the bondage of sin. I'm free from the shackles of the past. I'm free from all of that. doesn't mean I don't make mistakes and fail from time to time. Neither does it mean you never fail. You do. But we're not under the bondage of God. I'm not condemned. The condemnation has been lifted from my head. I was sentenced to die on the execution chamber of God. And that was eternal hell. But thank God Jesus Christ stepped up to the plate. And he stepped up to my place. And went to the cross and took my sins and nailed them there. That I could have freedom from my condemnation. I was condemned to die and go to hell, but the condemnation has been lifted from my soul, and I was found not guilty in the court of heaven. I am not guilty today. You say, preacher, how do you plead that? Through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and He alone makes me sufficient to go to heaven when I die, and I'm glad that the declaration has been given, and I can be set free. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Psalms 25, 5, lead me in thy truth and teach me in thy truth. Psalm 60, verse 4, thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of the truth. I submit to you today, ladies and gentlemen, the great drama of redemption that started before the foundation of the world is going to climax in eternity. When all God's children get home, no longer will there need to be a preacher. No longer will there need to be a teacher. No longer will there have to be anybody to try to make things work out. Everything's going to work out great, and not only great, going to work out perfect throughout eternity. Now, just to help you a little bit, I asked you a while ago to say amen about, you know, I don't look 77. I want you to look right this way. I have a perfect body coming to me. It ain't arrived yet. One day I'll have a glorified body like the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what I shall be like, but I know that when I see him, I shall be like him. Hallelujah for the truth that we can have in our hearts. And one day we'll lay down this old shield of faith, this, this body of flesh, lay it down by the riverside. We'll lay, our, we'll lay our Bible down. I don't need a Bible in heaven because Jesus is the truth. He's the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things that were made were made by Him. All things that were created were created by Him. He is the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And, the, and, and we saw the glory of God and the truth that was revealed in Him. I'm glad the Word of God is powerful. I'm glad Jesus is all-powerful. I'm glad we don't have to have a Bible in heaven. I, I would like to, maybe the Lord let us take him in there. Would you reckon? Wouldn't it be good to take your favorite Bible to heaven? And you're getting ready to read the Bible, and he says, I am the truth. I am the way. I am sufficient for every need you have. Dr. Harold B. Sotler was on radio for years, television down in Greenville, South Carolina. And he preached a sermon one time, and I've jotted down the outline. It's got seven points to it. It is 15 to 12. You'll be out by 12. Maybe. Harold B. Sidler said the seven roads that are not found in the Word of God, and people are traveling. Brother Darren taught the adult Sunday school class in the auditorium today, and he alluded to some of these. Here's what he said. Many folks are trying to get to heaven by reformation. I've reformed. I'm turning over a new leaf. You don't need a new leaf. You need a new life. 
You don't need to be reformed. You need to be reborn by the grace and power of Almighty God. Too many folks try to depend upon their own ability to reform their life. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to do better at this. And some of these may overlap. But he says, reformation will not get you to heaven. You can reform and reform and reform and reform and reform and reform until folks would think you're perfect. But you're still not perfect. You can't get there without a perfect Savior. And there's no perfect Savior unless I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by me. All the religions I mentioned a while ago, in religiousity, all those that are around the world, they do things that are trying to work their way to heaven. I'm always amazed at the Muslim people of praying five times a day, falling on their face five times a day to pray to Allah. I've been to Israel time or two in the Mideast. I've watched these folks. Sometimes they stop when they sound the, the big uh, bell and time to pray. Wherever they're at, they just fall right on their face and pray. When's the last time I fell on my face and prayed? When's the last time you fell on your face and prayed? They do it five times a day. To a plea, to appease a God who is not a God of love, but a God of hatred. Yeah, right. To appease a God that depends upon their works, salvation. They try so hard in their dress code. They try so hard in their habits, especially the men, uh, to please Allah because they want to go to the final resting place, uh, their utopia. Uh, they said one time that the final utopia for Muslim was going into eternity and having 300 wives. That don't sound like heaven to me. I think they got them mixed up somewhere along the way. But whatever it may be, reformation, no matter how much they reform, no matter how many they quit this habit and that habit, and you ought to quit every bad habit you got. I'm thankful over the years God set me free from some habits in my life. I'm grateful God set me free. Amen. There's some things I enjoy doing that I had to give up and I didn't want to give up. I, I've used the illustration many times. Over the, I used to love Tipperella cigars. When I got saved as a child, I grew up in church most of my life, or all my life. I answered the call to preach when I was 18 years of age. I was already out of high school searching for meaning for life. Wondering what God was going to do with my life. I didn't know I had any clue. I didn't, know, I didn't have a job. I was looking for a job and things began to fall through. But anyhow, I took up smoking these little tipper little cigars. I was living with the grandparents. I used to love them. I used to just enjoy the aroma of that and the cherry bean pipe. But I was smoking those cigars. Driving up Interstate 77, West Virginia Turnpike. Heading home. Just answered the call to preach. And the Holy Spirit said, you don't need those cigars. I had them over my sun visor and I put them out. I put one in my mouth and, and argued with God. Boy, Lord, it does taste good. I, I think they even taste good before you light them up. I think they taste good just rubbing around your, on your lips. Never will forget the battle I had. They, there they lay. You're not going to go to hell because you smoke cigars, James, but I don't want you smoking them. And I sensed that in my spirit. He didn't talk all of me to me. I took the whole packet and committed another sin. I threw them out the window. A litter bug. One that got me for rest of me for throwing cigars on the West Virginia Turnpike. But the fact is, I gave them up. Only one time since I gave them up at age 18 to this age of 77, only one time did I stick a cigar back in my mouth. And I brought back those memories, and I said, Lord, I can't handle this. And I threw it out of my mouth, and I've never touched another one since that day. I'm grateful for that. But you may have some habits in your life you've been arguing about. What you don't need to do is make a bunch of resolutions. Resolutions sometimes are broken so fast. I'm not opposed to goals. I set goals. I make a list of goals every year, hopefully personally and for church that I'd like to see happen. But making resolutions 
sometimes don't solve the problem. If I make this resolution, then surely uh, I'll obey it. I'm going to go on a diet this year. I've been on 37 diets. I've lost 2,322 pounds over the years, and now I could go on another diet again, just try to resolve to do better. What we need is just to walk with God, and if there's some area of your life that God puts his finger on, he works on us. We might always accomplish it like we'd like to, but he works on us. He wants you to be better and better, gooder and gooder, sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. He wants us to be right with him and be perfect like he is. We'll never be until we get to heaven. Number two, not only reformation, but information. You can know the Bible backwards and forwards and nothing wrong with that. You can quote every verse in the scriptures. And I've seen folks literally stand and quote chapter after chapter after chapter of the Bible. Uh, some people know almost the entirety of the Bible by heart. I think it was Jack Van Impey years ago when it used to be called the walking Bible. Somebody said, must have a gift of God to be able to quote the Bible just about completely. He said, it wasn't a gift. It was about eight hours a day of memorizing over and over and over and over again, memorizing the Word of God. But you can know the ABCs of the Gospel. You can know all is sin and come short of the glory of God. And we all have. And all God's people said, you can, you can quote, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And all God's people have. I can do the C. I can confess my Lord, confess Him as my Lord and Savior, and confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in my heart that I raised Him from the dead. And I can be, I can memorize those scriptures. I can know them by heart. I can know them quickly and can quote them from time to time, and still die and go to hell. You don't go to hell because you got information. Well, I've been informed about the gospel where there has to be a time when you had salvation, and it's not just having information. Many folks try to go to heaven because they know the Bible. And you can know the Bible again, frontwards and backwards, and I commend you for it, especially if it's a King James Bible. I commend you for using that. But the fact is, that's not going to take you to heaven. It's more than that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. It's not a matter of my, my information. Number three, he says confirmation. Most of us Baptists are not involved in confirmation. Many religions are. Many denominations go through confirmation. Uh, sometimes they go through a time of uh, we would call it dedication, maybe of a child. Uh, they dedicate their babies when they're little. Somebody asked me several times, said, do you christen babies? No, I don't christen babies, but I certainly pray for babies. We certainly would like to have a prayer for your child when they're born. I think that's a wonderful tribute to God. Many of you in this room have held your child here while we prayed God's blessings on that child. The child does not know anything right now, so that blessing is on the parents to teach that child, to train up the child in the way they should go for when they're old, they're not depart from it. It's so important for the parent to get the dedication part. It's easy sometimes to stand in a beautiful service and say, wasn't that so beautiful? That child will die and go to hell if they're not saved if they reach the age of accountability. Or what's the age of accountability when they know right from wrong? Or when will they know right from wrong? When they know they've sinned against God and it begins to bother them and the conviction begins to prick at their little heart. It's younger for some and older for others. But the fact is, everybody's got to come to that place. It's not by a confirmation or a baptism of a child that gets you to heaven. Or it's not about a, a, a baptism, period, as Brother uh, Cox alluded to in the Sunday school lesson this morning. It may be beautiful, but it's not sufficient. I tell you that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh the Father but by me. I want you to come to that truth. Jesus said, I want you to come. I want you to come. I am the way. I'll show you how to get to heaven. I'm the truth. I tell you, I never lie. Never lied one time in all the existence of my being. God cannot lie. He cannot lie. He said, I want you to come. I know that I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to have life and have it more abundantly, you come to me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But you try it by confirmation. Well, my, I was baptized when I was a baby. What you done since then? 
See, a baby don't know they're a sinner. And I'm glad God makes provisions for children that don't know the gospel. They don't understand it because they're not sufficient to grasp it. But I'm grateful that God puts it on us that every individual who reaches that age, that they know right from wrong, and that they're a sinner, they're accountable for their sins. Does that mean kids go to hell? I'll leave that between God and them. But I'm telling you what, I got saved when I was a child. How many of you got saved below the age of 15? Raise your hand real high. You was a child. How many got saved below the age of eight? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. Saved below the age of eight. Were you saved? Was I saved when I was nine years old? Would I went to hell if I died then? Think about it. You put to bed your children every night that they may lift their eyes up in hell. All of us ought to pray faithfully and fervently. Harold B. Sotler said reformation won't do it. Information won't do it. Confirmation won't do it. And demonstration won't do it. He said, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Did I not say they cast out devils in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? He says, I never knew you. He didn't say I didn't know you and you come back or left. He says, I never knew you. And so there's men traveling across the country of false prophets who are preaching and teaching certain things that they believe and they prophesy, but they're not even saved. He said, they say, Lord, Lord, they give the right declaration to God. He is Lord and Lord of all. But they can say that and still not be saved. You can be a preacher or a deacon. You can be a Sunday school teacher and not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Not everyone that saith the Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. So it's not by the demonstration of my mouth. It is a demonstration of my heart. For out of the heart, the mouth will really speak. It's out of the heart, not the mouth. The mouth can speak things that are not right. But out of the heart comes the issues of life. Out of the belly may come words that can say spiritual things, but they're not sufficient. Isolation. Removed from the world. What we need to do is just get away from everybody. I was thinking about this morning. Just get you a place to go to and looking over, these, looking over my sermon notes. Somebody says, if I could just get away from everybody, I could live the Christian life. Now, I get around people and they cause me to sin. Nobody causes you to sin. Amen. It's your will to sin. Now, somebody may tempt you and say maybe may be a hindrance to the flesh, but nobody can make you sin. The devil can't make you sin, and the devil can't make you go to hell. Now, you can do things that's displeasing to God, and you can live your life uh, away from God and die and go to hell. But this fact of us, if I can just get away from every, you know, it'd be a good world if it weren't for people. This people's messing this thing up pretty bad. You know what I notice? If some people weren't here, I could live a Christian life. Oh, my soul, my soul. How big is your God? Well, I could live a Christian life, but... You know how my wife is. She just drives me crazy, preacher. Well, don't be a Muslim. You have 300 of them to drive you crazy. But you say, preacher, I just, if I could get away from all the liquor in town. Sam P. Jones, I got several of his sermon books, an old Methodist preacher, was a drunk attorney studying for the law. He said when he got saved, God changed his life. And he said that he still had a temptation to drink. So back in those days, he said the bar was on one side of the street and I was on the other side. I never walked across the street to get to that side where the bar was at because the aroma was so strong. It took me quite a while to overcome the smell of that alcohol I used to drink. He said I didn't want to drink it anymore. You get a real good dose of salvation. You may be tempted and you may fail from time to time in your Christian life, but you won't enjoy it. You can drink all the booze you want to drink as a Christian. I don't drink any because I don't want to drink any. But you can drink all the booze you want to drink and, and still profess to be a Christian. You may very well be, but you're not going to be happy. 
I guarantee you'll be you'll enjoy it. Oh, it may give you a shot, may give you a high, may you maybe make you feel good for a little bit, but after a while you're going to let, find come to a place where something's missing. He says, "Come and know you all that labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Come, you that have no money, come. Come that has a thirst. You have a thirst? Get your drinking fountain changed. Just change drinking fountains." We're drinking from the things of this world and the, and the booze of this world and the parties of this world and all the things that sometimes tempt us and the lights of Las Vegas and all the temptations that are thrown out there at people's lives. Just to say, by God's grace, I'm going to stay on this side of the road. I'm going to stay away from them. How far should I stay away? I, you know, we spend our life as preachers picking up people who fell off the cliff. They should not never got to the edge of the cliff, but they did. They got the edge and just and fell off and messed up their life and made, made a mess out of it. Aren't you glad God can take our broken strands and put them back together again? Amen. Aren't you glad God can take the broken lives of people? I sit before people regularly. I stand before people every week of my life. And I know people fairly well. But most of, many of you have had lives that's been just in disarray. It's been a mess. If you had to live over again, you'd change some things. But you don't have a redo in living the life. The most important thing is to get saved. If you come down the end of your life and you failed miserably and never got saved... Jesus said, I am the way. Amen. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He said, you can't do it by isolation. It's not a matter of getting away from all the temptations. You can't do it by determination. You ever heard this? Well, I'll tell you one thing, preacher. I'm not a Christian, but I'm determined to do better. I'm determined to do better. I, I believe with all my heart. If I'm, I, I'm working on it. I hear that as much as anything. Are you going to heaven when you die? I'm working on it. What do you mean you're working on it? Well, I'm working on it. What do you mean by me working? Well, I'm trying to be gooder and gooder and sweeter and sweeter myself. I'm not the man I used to be. I used to be mean. Now I'm just half mean. How mean you got to be to go to hell? How mean, how good you got to be to be to go to heaven? You don't go to heaven because you're good. You don't go to hell because you're bad. You go to heaven because of the grace of God and you reach out and say, I want to be saved because you realize he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life and no man come with the Father but by me. But I'm determined to do better. I'm going to change the turn of the leaves I talked about. I'm going to walk a different path. I'm going to do better and better and better. And some way along the way, I'm going to, I think I'll reach it. If I, I've quit all my bad habits. I've quit them all, except lying. Probably got a few sins down there somewhere sneaking out from time to time. You know, Christians ought to get as far away from the world as they can. Everybody. I'm reminded of a little illustration. I've got one more point. I'll be through. This, this king was looking for a carriage driver uh, for his horse and carriage. And so he interviewed three possible candidates. The first one came in, the king said, you, you applying for the job? Yes, I can do it. Oh, king, I can get you this far from the edge of the cliff without falling off. I get that close to the wheel of that carriage without falling off. And he said, all right, let me write that down. A little over a foot, maybe 18 inches. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, thank you for your application. Interviewed number two. He didn't tell what the first one said. He said, how, far, how close can you come to the edge without, without uh, falling off? And he says, oh, I can get within six inches of the edge of that cliff. He says, I can, get, I can get probably this close without ever missing a lick and get you anywhere you want to go, King. I'm a great driver and I can do it. He said, so about six inches from the edge. He said, okay, write that down. 18 inches, first one. Six inches, the second one. Third guy come in said, are you applying for the job to be the chariot driver? He said, yes, sir, I am. I believe I qualify. Well, i ask you one question. How close to the edge can you get without going off the cliff? He said, oh, king, I'll get as far away from the edge as I can for you. 
I'll never ride close to the edge unless it's absolutely necessary. I'll get as far away as I can from the edge. Some folks like to play in the middle and try to toy with sin and play close to sin without messing up their life too bad. But the wage of sin is death, always is. When lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. When sin's finished, it bringeth forth death. Sin is going to rob you of the victory of your life. It's going to cause you great heartache, great trouble. I just read a, re a sermon years ago I preached. I may preach it again. The 20 sins, 20 sins you commit, probably in your lifetime, there's 20 of them. There's 20 different sins defining sin, all of sin that comes short of the glory of God, but 20 different ways you can sin against God. Not sure whether I preach it again or not, but the fact is you can, you can go through all the lists and do all of them. You can do all of them, get saved, go to heaven, or you can do all of them and die and go to hell. Salvation. Did I tell you that he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No man come to the Father but by me. Amen. Just get a seat deep, deep, deep within. The last one is denomination. There's all kinds of denominations out here. We're Baptists by persuasion, by belief, by conviction. Uh, there's Nazarenes, there's Presbyterians, there's Catholics, there's Church of God, there's Pentecostal groups, several of those. There's uh, Lutherans, there's... Well, there's a bunch of them denominations out there. Well, which one's right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's the only way to get to heaven, not by denomination. I don't get to heaven by being Baptist. And I, I'm sure when we get to heaven, he won't get all the Baptists over here and all the Presbyterians over here and all the Church of God over here. Brother, those tags are going to drop when we get to heaven. Amen. We may differ on some things now theologically along the way, and maybe it's good for us to have different denominations to spread the gospel around the world. I'll leave that between God and individuals' lives. But denomination. Well, God says, well, I'm going to heaven because I'm an Irishman. All Irishmen are going to heaven because they believe. They believe in their religion. I'm going to heaven. So you're an Irishman. So because of that, you're going to heaven. Yes, because I'm an Irishman. Well, let's just suppose that my cat had kittens in a bread pan. Would that make them biscuits? Well, no, no, no way. Well, just because you were born in Ireland don't make you a Christian. And don't because you were born in America makes you a Christian. We are not the American nation that we even once were. And by the way, no candidate for president, no candidate for Senate or House representatives or any other position is qualified to be what God wants us to be. He's not saying come to the president. I'm going to vote my, my belief. I'll vote how I feel when the election time comes, the Lord willing. And I trust we'll get somebody with a little bit of know-how to run the government. We'll find out. But I'll leave that between them and them. They don't get me to heaven. I'm not bound down to the shrine of any political leader. I know political people. I know some of them very well. And I'm grateful to have their acquaintance. There's some saved, I believe, some saved politicians. They're few and far between. But I believe there's, there's more and more of them. I'm glad when you've got a senator who gets on his knees every morning and prays for the deliberations that's taking place in the halls of Senate. That's pretty good. Every morning. Then he gets the men together and they pray together over our senators. We need more of that. Maybe that's the reason why everything's getting ruffled. Maybe that's why things are going the way they are. They're getting all out of sync and out of short. You've got this side and this side and that side. It may be good because the right side is going to come up. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. Denomination, you won't get to heaven because of a Christian nation of America, and she's far from it. She's a killer of babies. She's a maker of booze. She's making all the nicotine and all the stuff that you can imagine. 
and all the transgender stuff we're going through in America is nothing but a pure abomination in the eyes of God Almighty. And I'm glad it's not in the politicians' hands to solve the problem. I wish they were Christian, but I do know this, that Jesus said about your salvation, come, come, come to me. All that labor, 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 come to me. He that hath no money, come. He that hath money, come. Don't matter, just come. Come to me if you're thirsty. You're thirsty in the barren land of sin and shame. It's time to take, make a decision for Christ today. I close with a song. I wish I could sing. And most of you would say, I wish you could sing too. The song is called Satisfied. Come unto me. All my life I had a longing for a drink from some clear spring that I hoped would quench the burning of the thirst I felt within. Hallelujah, I have found him, whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longings. Through his blood I now know I'm saved. Feeding from the husk around me till my strength was almost gone. Long my soul for something better, only still to, to hunger on. Poor I was and sought for riches, something that would satisfy. But the dust I gathered around me only mocked my soul and cried. Wells of water ever springing, bread of life so rich and free. Untold wealth that never faileth, my Redeemer is to me. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's the quest, the message today. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.